What's that? Oh, yeah. All right, folks, let's go ahead and get started. Miss, Miss Judy's not here, so I can ring the bell this way. I think this is the first time I've actually, actually ring the bell. Yeah. Yeah, ring it hard. We, uh, when we were back in North Carolina, we went to this, we took a boat. It was actually like a little fishing boat. They went out to this island. This was called Portsmouth Island. And this island was tiny, tiny. There was, but there was people that lived on it. They said there was a population of like 600 people on this island at one point. And there was some of these buildings that were still standing. It was totally abandoned now, though. And there was this really old church. We went in and like rang the church bell and stuff. It was kind of cool. Uh, anyway. All right. Well, let's... Uh, I've got several verses of Scripture we're going to look at today. But as we're continuing on our study of... Um, of the church in the sense of how the church is run. Why do we do things the way that we do it? Uh, the last couple of weeks we talked about preachers and then we talked about pastors, how pastors and preachers are a little bit different. Today we're going to talk about uh, missions and missionaries and what it means to be a missionary, what a missionary does, how a missionary gets to where he's going and what he does when he gets there. Uh, I think for a lot of people, missions and missionaries are a little bit of a mystery and I think because of that, missions have been, what's the word, mislabeled. Missionary work has been, I guess, misbranded is, is a good word. I'll spend a little bit of time talking about that, and I hope I don't present that in a wrong way. I have a lot of ways to, to point at this, but I do think it's important. So why don't we do this, as always, let's start off with a word of prayer. We'll ask for God's help, uh, and then we'll dive into the scriptures and let the Bible be our guide. Our Father, we come to you again today. We want to thank you for being so good to us. Uh, Lord, there's, there's so much that you've done for us. Lord, I pray that in some way throughout the life that we live, we'd be able to live for you. And Lord, we look forward to the day that we can stand before you. I pray you bless us now in this, this, this study we're about to do, the study about missions. Um, speak to our hearts. And Lord, I pray that maybe you would even work on our own hearts about mission work and how maybe we can be involved in it. Lord, I ask you to bless us in this time we have, and it's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I've got, uh, for a study such as this, we're not going to be looking at one main verse, but I've got several verses of Scripture I want you to flip to, and we're going to start off for probably the most famous, I guess is one of those, Matthew chapter number 28, and verse number 19. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 28, and verse number 19. This verse has been called the Great Commission. Some people have said Jesus' last command was our first order, our first mandate. The very end of the book of Matthew, chapter number 28, verse number 19, last two verses. This is when Jesus um, is getting ready to leave the earth and go back to heaven. He says this, Go ye therefore, and there's, there's the word, go. That, that's the first one that he says in his command, go. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So there's a few what we would call action verbs in there. God has called us to action. What are those words? He says, go. And he says, teach. Then he says, baptize. Okay, that's, that's the job of the church. 
That is the mission of the church. So that's why we see people leaving their homes and going to places, and they are actively seeking out going places. And when they get there, they're going to teach them. And when they teach them, when those people become believers, they're going to baptize them. That's also part of the Great Commission. We don't just see people get saved and leave it there. Baptism is actually a command, which is why we do it. So this is what we call the Great Commission. We were commanded to do that. Um, let's flip over to another one. You're right here next to it. Let's go to Mark chapter number 16. Mark chapter number 16. And then verses number 15 and 16. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. Here's Jesus again. He's teaching them. He says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Man, so there again, the command is to go and to teach. Go preach Jesus Christ to everyone. So, Here's the thing. All right, you, so we've been commanded to go. Now the question is, how do you get there? We have logistic questions. Like, how do you, did you just, what, up and leave? I mean, you just start walking, you just drive over there. I mean, but you're going to live there, so how do you get the funds to do that? And how do you facilitate all these? And ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, I have, I, I am amazed at all the different ways that this command has been facilitated. Um, it's, it's not as... Okay, it is cut and dry to go and tell. Okay, I, I hate that I'm using this illustration, but it's so, it works so well. You ever heard the illustration, you, there's more than one way to skin a cat? Okay. <laughs> you, we have been told to go and to tell, but there's so many ways to do that. For example, we have a missionary family right now, our, our church supports them, um, to get into the country where he went. It is illegal for a person to go there, and they cannot get a visa just as a pastor. So here's what he had to do. He had to go to four years of business school to be an agricultural, uh, to have, an, I guess, a, an agricultural major. And the only way he could get a visa to live there is if he was going there to start a business. And he has to report to the government on his earnings and his employees and how much he's paying his employees. That's the only way he could get there. Now, when he got there, he did that, but he started a church. And he's preaching to these people because God told him to go, and that's the only way he could do it. So he's doing these other things just to be able to get to where God has told him to do. Um, I, I know people that, uh, there, there's a ministry called Bearing Precious Seed. They're out of, oh, what's that town? It's in Ohio. Anyway, their whole ministry is they own several printing presses. And when someone translates the Bible into a new language, they send the information to them. And their mission, and by the way, they get missions dollars to do this, they just print off thousands and thousands and thousands of Bibles, and they ship them over to missionaries free of charge. Why? Because people need the gospel. So they're, they're sending the gospel around the world. So there, there are many ways this can be done. We're going to look at the specific ones in the Bible and how this relates to you as an individual uh, churchgoer here in America. And by the way, I'll go ahead and say this because we're going to talk about it too. I think every person in some way needs to ask themselves, what am I doing or what should I be doing for missions? And, and have we ever considered, maybe God would have me be a foot soldier somewhere. Like he would, maybe he would actually send me somewhere. I think that's something we at least need to ask ourselves. And the Bible says we should. Let me show you that too. So I, I got some points listed out here. The first one I'm going to ask you is this, or kind of present to you is this. 
Number one, it is the responsibility of all Christians individually and collectively to spread the gospel. That's, that's point blank. That's our command. God told us to spread the gospel. Remember the first verse, Matthew 28, 19? Go ye therefore and teach all nations. So, okay, I've been told. I, I have to go. I've been told to go. I've been told to teach people. All nations need to be able to hear because of me. That takes me to our next verse. Uh, let's go to the book of Acts, chapter number 1, verse number 8. Acts, chapter number 1, verse number 8. This kind of tells you more specifically how the, the apostles went and how the early church went. Acts, chapter number 1, verse number 8. The Bible says this. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. All right. They were told to go. Now, where were they told to go? When you look at where they were geographically and then you kind of look at those other ones, you have Judea as in you need to think about ministering in your hometown next door. Go to the person you live next door down the street and tell them, tell your family. And then he says Judea and Jerusalem and the uttermost parts of the earth, talking about maybe the next town over, then the next state over, and then even throughout the uttermost parts of the earth. It is the job of the church to go next door and all the way over in China, as far and as wide as you can get it and as close to home as you can get it. Your job is just simply go and tell. So that's something that we've all been commanded to do. So I can, I, I can handle the next door part. I can handle the, uh, the family member part. I can handle the people here in my hometown. I've got that, man. I can, right there they are. If the Lord gives me the opportunity, I'm going to witness to them. And that's what we ought to do and are commanded to do. So then the question comes up, how in the world then do we tackle China? How do we tackle Uganda? How do, how do, we, how do we get the gospel there? There's got to be a lot of logistic things with that. Well, there are. And the first thing I want to tell you with that is this. There are actually, um, and this is, this is semantics today, but they all go back to this. There are different types of missionaries. Um, and there's not no scripture for these, but uh, some of them there are. The first one we think of is actually the Apostle Paul. We would call him a missionary evangelist. If you study what the Apostle Paul did, he would go places. He would get, get a group of believers together. He would leave his home, and he would get a group of believers together, and they would start a a local church group. And then when he got there, he would say, okay, now I need somebody to pastor these people. And then he would set a pastor there, and he'd say, all right, I'll check up on you guys later. And then he would take off. And then he'd go to another place. Uh, for example, that's what he did with Timothy. Timothy, hey, I want you to be here, and you're going to be the pastor of these people. He did that with Titus. Um, he started the church at Ephesus and Corinth. I mean, he, he started these churches and wrote letters back to them, keeping up with them. So Paul, he was a kind of a missionary evangelist, or what some people would call a um, church planning missionary. And that's going to be my next one. Again, like Paul, he was a guy that started many churches in a lot of different places. So today, I know of people, there's my brother-in-law, actually, his, his dad was one of them. He was a missionary in Brazil, and he's been down there for 30 years now. I think that's how long he's been in Brazil. He moved down there, and he started one church, and, man, the church started doing well, and there's a group of people there, and he started getting those people trained, and then there was a guy that said, hey, um, 
man, I think I want to serve the Lord somewhere. And then he trained that guy, and that guy, the Brazilian man, he ended up being the pastor of that church. And my friend's dad said, all right, this church is now self-sustaining. Then he moved on to a new town also in Brazil, and he started another church there. And so what he's doing is he's seeing multiple churches started in these towns. And there's a whole lot of philosophies behind how that can be accomplished. But ultimately, that's missionary work. You got a guy that goes somewhere, he starts a church, leads people to the Lord, and then moves on and goes somewhere else. There are also people that we would call church planting pastors. Um, I, I guess you could say essentially that's, that, that's the category that I would have fallen into and kind of still do, I guess. A guy that leaves home, goes to an area, he, he sees a church that gets started, the Lord starts a church there, and then instead of leaving and starting a bunch of them, he just remains there as, as pastor. And there are a lot of philosophies behind that too. Um, but at the end of the day, mission work is when a person goes and he tells. That's, that's what's going to be happening there. So um, I want to take you to Romans. Let's go to Romans chapter number 12, verse number 1. We're going to jump in here for just a little bit. While you're turning there, I want to take just a couple minutes and, and, and throw this at you. By no means am I trying to discredit anyone by my next statement. I know everyone's saying, oh no, what's it going to be? <laughs> this, is, this is not me casting light. I'm not casting stones because I think the people that do this have a good heart and they have... They have good um, intentions in what they do. The Bible says we are to go and tell. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We have, we have distorted missions in saying that it's mission work when we do carpentry. You, you see what I'm saying? Let me explain. And, and this is not a bad thing. This is not a bad thing at all. Let's say a person says, hey, man, uh, back, back there when that, when that big tsunami hit Haiti, I'm going to go down there to Haiti, and I'm going to help people rebuild their houses. I'm going to spend two weeks, and I'm going I'm to put roofs on houses for two weeks. Great. Man, that's, that's wonderful. I am glad that you're willing to do that. But if you're going to build a roof instead of going to preach the gospel, that's not mission work. Missionaries go and preach the gospel. Now, can you use that as an avenue to get to people and to be able to witness to them? Sure. If that's your goal, awesome. But, but the simple fact of going somewhere and saying, man, those people down there, they need, man, they don't have water. They need a well. So I'm going to go and I'm going to dig them a well. Man, outstanding. But the, your purpose for being there better not be just to dig a well. Your purpose better be to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in fact, that's what God always did. Whenever Jesus himself did a miracle, he was doing it for the purpose of getting ready to give someone the gospel. Do you remember the man? He was, uh, I think he was the guy that was sick with a palsy. And everyone was there and the Pharisees were watching him and stuff. And, and he was laying there on his bed. And, and everyone's looking at him. It's like, oh, okay, you, you say you can heal this guy. And Jesus looks at him, and he kind of scorns the Pharisees a little bit. He says, all right, guys, let me ask you something. Is it easier to say that your sins be forgiven you, or is it easier to say rise up and walk? And then he looked down at that man, and he said, because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. So he forgave him his sins. And then he said, I'll take up thy bed and walk. And then that guy stood up and walked. And all the Pharisees were like, oh, oh. 
His point was he didn't raise that guy and give him back his legs. I mean, yes, he did because he loved him and he wanted him to walk. But he also had the motive of going to that person and that guy's sins being forgiven. That's why Jesus even came to the earth, was to forgive people of their sin. Folks, that should be our goal. Our goal as Christians is not to make earthly life better. Our goal as Christians is to prepare sinners for the next life to come. See how that works? So it's like this. I had a guy, he was a, he was a great man. He's one of my professors in seminary. He always said this. As Christians, let's just always remember, let's keep the main thing the main thing. And I think that's when, when we don't do that, we, we get off and we get distorted. So in any kind of mission work, if we're going to call it missionary work, let's go ahead and make sure we're doing missionary work, preaching the gospel and baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's, his, that's ultimately what missionary work is. Uh, so let's go to Romans chapter 12 real quick. I think um, most of you are probably there by now. I, I stopped turning, so I didn't get there myself. Romans chapter number 12, verse number 1. The Bible says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Now here's what I want you to see which is your reasonable service. Man, that word reasonable. If you, study, if you study any Montana law or even federal law, that word reasonable shows up a lot. Um, and here's the point. Was it reasonable for this person to do this or was it not reasonable for a person to do this in this situation? What the Apostle Paul is saying is this. For every single Christian, it is, it is reasonable for every Christian to, once they get saved, to go before the Lord and say, Lord, you bought me, I'm yours. Use me how you see fit. Man, that, that, that's, that's just simply reasonable. That doesn't mean that God's going to immediately say, okay, you're going to Uganda and you're going to live the rest of your life there by yourself. No, that's not what that means. It just means that you recognize now that you were God's and if he asked that of you, you'd be willing to. See how that works? You're presenting your body as a living sacrifice. See, these people that Paul was talking to in Rome, they knew about sacrifices. The Jews, they've been sacrificing lambs and oxen for, for thousands of years. Sacrifices were not a new thing, but those were dead sacrifices. Now Paul is saying, time for you to be a sacrifice with your life. And for you to lay down your life on the altar just to say whatever the Lord's going to ask you to do, be willing to do it. And just being willing, that's reasonable. So I think, number one, as far as missions go, there needs to be a decision moment in every Christian's life. I absolutely believe this. First, you have the moment that you get saved. You realize, man, I need Christ. Jesus Christ, he was the guy, and I'm putting my heart and my belief in Jesus Christ. Lord, I accept you as my Savior. Boom, salvation moment. I believe there comes another moment in every Christian's life where they realize, Lord, I'm giving my everything now to you. See, I believe a person can be saved and then also not be completely surrendered. For example, uh, the Bible says that Lot, Abraham's nephew, the Bible says that he had a righteous soul, but he lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he lived in that wickedness his entire life. He actually got his, this is gross, but he actually got drunk and got his, two daughters pregnant. His daughters orchestrated that, but 
Anyway, terrible story. But the Bible says this guy was a righteous man. How does a guy do that? Because he wasn't surrendered to the will of God. So, Christian, I want to say this to you first. When we're talking about missions, I'm not asking you to sell out and move over to another country. But what I am asking you is to come to that place in your life where if he asked you, if he did, you'd be willing to say yes. That's reasonable. I mean, goodness, Christ left heaven and came here to die for us. I think we should be willing to live for him for a few years that we got left. When I say a few, we got left. Listen, even 100 years is nothing compared to eternity. So it's reasonable to be willing to go. That's where it starts. And then we say this. Now let's go to Romans chapter number 10. Let's flip back just a couple of verses, and then we'll talk about the logistics of a missionary getting to the field. Um, Romans chapter number 10. Making sure I have all my scriptures here right. In verse number 15. Uh, but let's, let's start in verse number 13. <laughs> and we love this verse. Oh, I love this verse. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is no person that is beyond the opportunity to call on the name of Jesus Christ. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse number 14. This is the sad part of that. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And that is something that ought to make us all desire to be in missions. Let's say you've got a group of people over here in the middle of, you know, I don't know, just pick your country, Argentina, Brazil, whatever. There are people there that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a, there's a big point I need to make here. If you go to Romans 1, the Bible says the entire world currently is still held accountable for knowing Jesus. And here's why. Because at one time, their people knew who Jesus was, and they rejected him. For example, actually happened twice. There was twice in world history where 100% of the world population honored and believed in Christ. And somewhere along the line, they rejected it. Number one time was with Adam and Eve, and number two time was after the flood with Noah and his kids. The whole world knew who God was. They just chose to forget about him. So everybody's still accountable because of that. That's Romans 1. Sad chapter, but it's, it's in there. Anyway, now we're to this. Now here we are generations later where people have denied Christ and now the people that denied him have great, great, great grandkids and never even heard the name. So how in the world are these people that have never even heard the name Jesus going to call on them? Whosoever shall call will be saved. How are they going to call on him if they don't even know his name? And how are they going to believe in him if they don't know who he is? How are they going to hear his name unless somebody goes and preaches? How is somebody going to go and preach unless that person gets sent? And that's where we get involved. Ladies and gentlemen, we can witness in our hometown. We're here. But I might not be able to go to China, you know, Korea, wherever. I might not be able to go to these places, but I can send somebody. And that's where we get involved in missions. We as a church are still very young in the things that we have done, but we have been involved in missions. Right now, um, 
we, we've got some missionaries that we support. We support the Stanley family over in Spain. I might not be able to go personally to Spain, but we can send the Stanley family in our places. See how we do it? We facilitate them being able to get there, and we do that financially. We'll talk about that in a minute in the book of Philippians. Um, you know, we've got the, uh, the Yule family. We've got the Beck family. They're over in Butte. They're starting a brand new church over there. We actually did that both ways. We went over there and helped spread the gospel, and we're sending them financially. We are helping them start a new church over there in Butte. So I might not be able to go, but I can send somebody. And folks, that's at the heart of missions. I want to show you how that happened with the Apostle Paul and what Paul said about it. There were churches that actually sent the Apostle Paul, and they facilitated him being able to go. Let's go over to the book of Philippians, and this is where we're going to finish up. Philippians chapter number 4 and verse number 10. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 10. Again, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter, and in his letter, he is taking a moment to say thank you to the churches that took care of him while he is doing his mission work. Oh, but preacher, I thought the Apostle Paul was a tent maker. He worked. Yeah, he was. But there were also people that helped him out along the way, too. So Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul was both bivocational and people helped him out, too. Um, Philippians chapter number 4, verse number 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. All right, so Paul right now is saying, listen, no matter where I am, I'm going to glorify God. If I'm rich, if I'm poor, if I'm hungry, if I'm full, I'm going to glorify God. That's what he's saying. Verse number 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye, Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desired a gift, but I desired fruit that may abound to your account. Boy, we're going to talk about that. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing. To who? To God. Now, here's what Paul is saying. Paul's out on his missionary journeys. Man, he's going from town to town to church to church. And there was this church that was taking collections. They were doing things to forward over to where Paul was going to be to facilitate his needs. And when he received those things, he was saying, and he writes his letter back, thank you, man, that, that you would communicate with my necessity, the things that I would need. You, you would help me with this. Thank you. So what are they doing? They were sending him. And Paul very humbly said this. I'm saying thank you not because I am greedy for what you've given me. I'm not, I'm not wanting a gift. In fact, I have, he was thinking back to all his persecution. Man, I've been in jail. I've been persecuted. I've been beaten. I've been hungry and I've been full. I've abased. I've abound. I can do all things through Christ. I am content. 
text that that verse is talking about. It's like, I am content with everything. And I desire this gift not because I'm greedy, but because I want rewards to your account. That's mission giving. Ladies and gentlemen, when we give dollars to missionaries, yes, they are the ones that are receiving that, but we need not to see it as dollars going to a man. We need to see that as dollars that are funding the gospel going across the seas into places that we can't go. And then what happens is rewards are added to our account for forwarding the gospel. See, that we, we don't, a lot of times don't think of it that way. We think, oh, man, okay, I'm giving this missionary some dollars. No, you're giving dollars to the work of God, and people are hearing the gospel because of it. That's what he said right here in verse number 18. Look, look what he says again in 18. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. It's like, look, I got your gift, an odor of a sweet smell, and a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And then he talks about them being rewarded. Look at 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So now he says, look, you guys have given to God, and that fulfilled my needs. Just like God supplied my needs, I promise you, God's also going to fulfill your needs. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a few stories that I want to give that, that relates to me personally. Um, I, I think as most of you know, and I, I talk about it every now and then, um, you know, I, I spent two years uh, roughly two years, maybe two and a half or so, where my wife and I, we traveled all over the U.S. Um, building, building sponsorship, mission dollars, just like this, to be able to see this church here get started. And, and we traveled from church to church, and there were churches that gave and gave and gave to be able to have what we have here today. Um, oh, by the way, I talked to a guy. Lord willing, we've got, Lord willing, we've got a whole new set of chairs that are just being donated to our church. Um, they, I called a guy the other day and he's like, man, how many do you need? And so we talked about it and he says, okay, I'm going to go ahead and put the order in. This guy will deliver them to you here pretty soon. <laughs> okay, well, praise the Lord. Anyway, that's a whole other story, but I'm excited about that. Um, I remember I was at this one church. I was at Colonial Baptist Church in, um, oh, what's that town? It was in Virginia. I remember the pastor's name. Anyway, um, we're recording when I say the pastor's name, but I remember my wife and I, we were at this church, and, and we, were, we were there, we were visiting, we were presenting the work that was going to be done, say, hey, the, the Lord has called us, which he did. The, the Lord told us to come here, which is why we're here. And, and we, we, we told him what, what the mission was and what needed to be done. And, excuse me, there, there was a, it was a missions conference is what it was, and I'll maybe take a minute if we got it to talk about what those are. But one of those nights, we were there, I remember there was this little girl. She was maybe, I don't know, nine years old, something, little girl. And they were talking about how you give money to missionaries to help them go where it is they're trying to go and do what God has told them to do. And this little girl, she came up to me, and she had a Ziploc baggie. And this Ziploc baggie was full of coins. I mean, it couldn't have been more than, I don't know, five bucks or something, or hardly even, even that. But I, I remember I was just, just talking to people. I was shaking hands. The service was over. And this little girl came up to me. I, I don't even remember her name. But, but she gave me this, this little bag of coins. And then she was telling me, she's like, hey, this is, this is for you to go do what God's told you to do. 
And I'll tell you, people have done things like that to facilitate the work of God, but for whatever reason, that one stuck with me. And my thought is, you know, God's going to bless that little girl for that. I mean, is, is, is two or three dollars a big deal? No. That's not the point. The point is when a person gives to the work of God, they are the ones who receive blessings. It's not about where the money's going here and yonder. It's the exact same story as what God saw with that widow when they were in the tabernacle. That widow came in, all she had was two mites, and she gave that. And then God said, hey, disciples, look at, look at, look at her. She gave more than all these other guys did. It was just two mites. Why? Because she gave what she had because she loved God. See, that's the difference. And Paul was trying to communicate that same thing back to the church. Like, look, church, you gave this money, and I received this, and I thank you. But this is money that you have given to God for the furtherance of the gospel, and God's going to reward you for that. That's where missions comes from. We might not all be able to go. But goodness, we can send somebody. And so there's these things that we do as churches. We, we get missionaries together. And, and we send missionaries out. We want them to be able to go places, and we want them to be able to do things. Um, I, there's actually one missionary I know of that um, it was during a missions conference. And what a missions conference is, Lord willing, if not next year, as our church continues to grow, we'll have one of these things. Sometimes there's two days, sometimes three days. I've seen some of them a whole week where a gr several missionaries that were, I guess you call candidates, are trying to get to the field. They'll all come to a church at one time, and they'll all take five or ten minutes. They'll show their videos, present where they're going, that kind of stuff, and everyone gets together, and there's lots of cool ways to do this. But it's a conference all about missions, and then you can take on those missionaries for support, and people can support them individually through the church, which is a cool thing, too. Anyway, I was at one of those, and while the missionaries were there, uh, their car broke down. And that church right there on the spot collected, uh, or actually had, they already had it in their budget, but they all voted right there on the spot to pay for the missionary family to get another car. And I want to tell you something. That seems materialistic, but that church, even today, because I, I, I still remember this church and what went on there, even today that church is one of the most blessed of God churches that I know because of how much they are willing to give to the work of God. God has that much more blessed them and the things that they are trying to do for him as well amazing thing you, you can you can never do too much for the work of God so how does a person get involved in missions well ultimately I think God calls them and he says are you willing when a person gets willing then God says ah you're willing he might say okay I want you to stay right here to start witnessing to your neighbors or he might say you know what I'm gonna pick you up and send you down to Mexico and then he says yes Lord and then that person, he begins to go out and seek his mission. He raises the sponsorship and the funds that he needs, however God sees fit. And then he goes, and all around the world, people are backing this guy and pushing him to go where God has called him to do, and souls get saved because of it. And that's missions. So the whole idea of being a missionary, what's that all about? Folks, it's all our job. Go, teach, baptize. We're commanded to do it. And so I can teach right here in my own town. And then every now and then, God raises up somebody and says, hey, I want you to go over here. I want you to go over here. And then it's our job to send them. Because how are they going to hear unless someone preaches to them? And how is somebody going to preach to them unless they get sent? If nobody goes, you might never hear. And that's the sad alternative. Anyway, we've got a few minutes uh, I actually was really out of time. There's just a couple minutes left. Let's go ahead and bow for prayer.
We ask, ask the Lord to see how we can get involved in being missionaries here in our own town as well as around the world, especially in, as the church grows and we're able to do more by the way of missions. Our Lord, we love you. And I pray that you would help us to fulfill and to obey your command to tell everyone, to preach the gospel to every creature. And Lord, I pray that, I pray that you would raise up people to go around the world. Lord, you told us to pray that. You, pr- you told us to pray that you would send people into your harvest for the fields are white. So Lord, I pray that you would raise up people. I pray maybe even here at our own church we would see somebody amongst us that would go around the world. Lord, that we would be able to send them. What a blessing that would be. Lord, I ask you to just help us to be a lighthouse in our own community until that time comes. That we would just be able to share the gospel with our neighbors, with our friends, and with our family. And like, likewise in doing so, we'd be able to obey your command. And God, I ask you to have your hand and blessing on this church. Especially this week as we have our very first patch club with our kids. Lord, I'm so looking forward to seeing how our children are going to grow and to be able to learn the things of God this way. I ask that you would just take this time and that you would use it. So Lord, we love you. Bless us now until we come together here again the next time. May we honor you in all things. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, guys, that is all we have for today. Again, thank you for listening so well. Uh, don't forget about the sign-up sheet in the back for the, um, for the ladies' tabletop, whether you're hosting or whether you're just going to visit. And real quick, if you are, if you are wanting to uh, be a worker or you're, you're planning on doing some stuff in Patch Club, I've got some more information for you here. And we can just kind of visit on that directly after this. But otherwise, guys, we love you, and we're dismissed.